Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Well, I don't know, thousands, ten thousands of letters must have come in after Rick Rogers, our guest today, was on last time. So here he is. We have brought him back for a command performance, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that, and here's the reason. With the holidays coming up, with Thanksgiving, with Christmas, people are so nervous and scared about holidays. And I think it's mostly because we all try to do too much and we work too many hours and we get crazy. So Rick is here today to talk for several reasons. One, if you don't know who Rick Rogers is, Rick Rogers is a cookbook author. He's been on air talent. He has been a consultant. He has written other people's cookbooks. The guy knows his way around a recipe and a, a cooking teacher, if I didn't say that. But I happen to know Rick as a friend, as a colleague, and he has been wonderful to me in my career. And I need to share with you one of his books. We'll ask him how many, but one of his books is called Thanksgiving 101. It is on sale, not on sale, but it's on Amazon. And if you are nervous about cooking a turkey or getting ready for Thanksgiving, or if you have someone in your family, like a new daughter-in-law or a, a niece or nephew that doesn't cook, this is the book for you. I think it's one of the number one selling books on Thanksgiving. It has stayed in print for I don't know how long. So let's welcome Rick. Hi, Rick. Denise, hi. I know. You know I feel like, you know, you and I have been to so many parties together where we're standing off in a quarter and, you know, really dishing the dirt because, you know, you and I do exactly the same That's thing. You and me dishing dirt. Yeah, yeah, I know. Hard no. to <laughs> People look in the party and wherever they see this big hole scooped out of the in the garden in the backyard. That's where we have been dugging, ah. digging the dirt. But, you know, the thing is that um, we have seen it all. Because like I say, you and I have pretty much done, had very similar careers on two different coasts. Yes. I was raised in San Francisco and then I moved to New York very early on to be um, an actor. And I found out pretty quickly that there were a lot more people that were more talented than I was as an actor. But he said modestly, not as a cook. <laughs> so. You know what though, Rick, thank God that you knew it. Yeah. I mean, really? So that turned out to not be what you were supposed to do, but you've had nothing but success in food. So how yeah, was it for you? There was a time when, I mean, I started out like everybody else, but because I was young, I said yes to everything. Yes. Uh, became my way. I ended up working with the big, the, the hot shots in the food business right away. Yes. Because I started doing these apprentice jobs where I was getting paid $1.35 an hour. And um, but that's but that's what you do when you're young. Yeah. Honey, when I look back, I feel the same way. I don't know how I did all those things, but like you, I didn't say no. And I used to always think, and even when it was literally, I remember starting to do demos at Macy's, but they were building out their home things. But Rick, mm -hmm. I did it because the best chefs in Los, well, actually the best chefs everywhere Ever. came yeah. to Macy's to sell their books. We know this. And so Macy's only paid me $150, but it was only for two or three hours. 
But I ended up, my network, I met every great chef, Joey Goldstein, the the guy, the New York guys, all of them came. Um, and they gave me a cookbook and they signed it and they were nice to me and I gave them my card. And once in a while that turned into a little job. It wasn't a lot of money, but boy, it helped my network and helped me learn a lot. So you know who my first celebrity clients were, were Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira. Oh, how Fun. Oh, so that fun. was fantastic. Yes. And they were wonderful, wonderful people. I, I really missed them. They were just, they were I just bet. sweethearts. They were so generous with me. And there was one New Year's Eve party. So a Jerry and Ann had a duplex on um, Riverside Drive. And the cast of characters was Jerry and Ann, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, my God. Harvey Keitel, Tammy Grimes. James Coco, William Hurt, oh. Mike Nichols brought Whoopi Goldberg because he was producing her first show on Broadway. Oh, yes. And, you know, but I, so when I started doing celebrity cookbooks, which is a field that I know that you and I know both know very well, that I had already been working with celebrities so much that I knew that they went to the bathroom just like everybody else. <laughs> what they did once the door was closed was a different story. <laughs> you are absolutely um, correct. But I, I could, I mean, that that particular New Year's Eve, I swear I'm going to write a play about it one of these days. Uh, and how fascinating. It sounds like Noel Coward, but you'll do your spin and it sounds fabulous. <laughs> no, it, it was not Noel Coward. It was more like the Bowery Boys. Because, um, like, for example, there was a woman there who was a Bond girl who, you know, I'll, I'll be I will be polite and not mention her. And she had had a college affair with oh. one of my waiters who was very, who was, you know, very hot himself. Yeah. And I'm like going, where, where's Danny? And they're like going, don't ask. You oh, don't no. To know. <laughs> and I'm going, where's Danny? I have these hors d'oeuvres are getting cold. Yeah. They're going. All I'm going to say is don't look in Anne's walk-in closet. There you go. <laughs> now, if people don't know, I mean, things that happen at parties, my favorite, and which I got used to, I would go to open. I started out on yachts, little tiny areas, so people couldn't hide that much, Rick. But I would go right. to the chat, <laughs> but I would go to the broom closet to see if there was an extra rag or whatever because something had spilled. And there would be my party manager with a bottle of bourbon taking a couple of gulps before he went out on the floor. And I, I learned, and he was perfect. He did a great job. But I learned to just shut the door and not say anything because if Richard felt like he needed a a snort before he went out there I certainly understand it or he would always say to me Dee, Dee you seem a little nervous and I would get my diet coke can and I'd go to take a sling of it and there was bourbon in the diet coke can yeah. well I mean that's that was you know that's the alcohol I can deal with that <laughs> I would just okay so next <laughs> I can just see, I can just see all of my non-disclosure um, agreements floating in front of my face, you know. All right. Now, listen, we're going to talk about some more of our parties after this. But for people that have tuned in, do you want to give just what are your best tips or your three of the to you 
Okay. Got it. Tips for Thanksgiving or Christmas or thank what New Year's Eve. I don't care. What are your three best party tips at the moment? For for the holiday season, let's I'm gonna say one thing right now about Turkey. Yeah. Um the, the, the food, not the country. Uh we'll leave politics out of this discussion, which is get a fresh turkey. Do not get a frozen turkey. Love now, that. The number one thing, my main reason for it is that. Not just the flavor, the fresh bird is always going to taste better. The main reason is nobody really wants to admit how long it takes to defrost an effing turkey. It takes five, well, I was going to say at least five days in the refrigerator to defrost a turkey. Do you really want to use up that much space in your refrigerator for five oh, days? Good call. The answer is no. I'm telling you, your answer to that is no. Now you can buy your turkey Wednesday, Tuesday night, or Wednesday for Thursday. Yes. And it's better for you to let them keep it in their very, very cold refrigerator at the supermarket than it is for you to keep it in your house, unless you're lucky and you have a spare refrigerator in the garage or the basement. Okay, you know, but... The main reason is you do not want to defrost the bird. Now, I want to warn you one very important thing. If you say, I'm going to buy a frozen bird because they're at least $2 less a pound, and turkeys are going to be on a shortage this year, and they are going to be at a premium price. So if you want to say, okay, I'm going to save some money, I'm going to get a frozen bird. You can not, now listen to Uncle Rick, you <laughs> can not brine a frozen bird. Oh, okay. It's already been brined. Look okay. at all the crap. I mean, look at all the ingredients that are on the label of the frozen bird. Got it. It already it says sodium. It has already been brined. So if you say I'm going to defrost this bird, now I'm going to brine it, you're not. Got okay. it. First one, fresh bird. Second thing, lists, lists, lists. <laughs> There is no such thing as too many lists when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Make a list starting now for all of the dry goods you need, the paper towels, the extra paper towels. Um, all of it. The soap, yes, yeah. napkins, all that stuff. You buy it anytime you're at Target or wherever you buy that stuff. Then you make another list of all the stuff that's long keeping, flour, eggs, frozen butter, Crisco, all the sugar, all those things that'll keep for two or three weeks. Buy them a bit by bit whenever you're at the market. You do not want to be that jerk on Friday. I mean, on Wednesday night at Albertsons with all of, you know, with a, a shopping cart that looks like a Volkswagen, right? With $500 worth of groceries, but... But they're out of the things you wanted because it's Wednesday night. Right. And they sold the, the stuffing piece right. that you wanted, or they sold the canned cranberry. I know. And, right. The side pumpkin is the worst. That's the one that they always run out of in my book. <laughs> I always forget something. And so Thursday morning, it's, I always run out of heavy cream because I'm always whipping the cream and putting it in the soup and stuff. So I'm always out. I'm always there Thursday morning getting an extra pint of heavy cream. There's always these people with a frozen bird in their cart, I just want to go up and give them a hug. Okay. So that's the second one is your lists. 
And your third one, and this is a really important one, is know your strength. Honey, it is hard enough to get that turkey in and out of the oven and get the gravy made. So if you want to buy pies, if you don't, if you say I'm not a good baker, then buy the pies, buy the rolls. You know, people, you got to serve nostalgia at yeah. Thanksgiving. Yes. They like canned cranberry sauce. I agree. You know, um, when was the last time they had last canned cranberry sauce? I last know. Thanksgiving. <laughs> so if I make fresh and canned because you can. I love my fresh. Yes. But this so, is so, so there's, there's three things for you. Fresh brilliant. birds, make a lot of lists and do not be a hero. Know your strengths. I'll tell you something else when you're saying that, Rick, the underlying lesson. By you're talking about making less work for yourself is what you're talking about. And also, <laughs> if you go shopping two or three times, as you just said, it's just you put it in the pantry, you already put it away, just saving yourself, trying to unload $500 with the groceries on Wednesday night, right after dinner and before your company's coming the next day. I always say to people, I'm the same way. If you have three little kids under five years old, don't wait till 6 p.m. to find out what's for dinner, okay? Mommy, mommy needed to do that at 6 a.m. in the morning, so that way she doesn't have three crying kids at 6 p.m. It's the same thing with holidays. And I and people go, oh, but you, I said, well, you do it the Sundays before. So three or four weeks before Thanksgiving, like right now, start your, start your shopping. That's all you have to do. Makes it mm -hmm. easy. The liquor store is another place. Just quit obsessing about what wine it's going to be. The good news is that white wine and red wine both go with turkey. That's a good idea. Great. You know what I love with turkey? Hard cider. Oh, deli oh, that sounds delicious. It is really delicious. And it's a conversation piece because people are like, oh, what is this? That's, you know, when you said that, Rick, and be, right before we started to record, I made Rick, he was starting to say something and I made him stop because <laughs> Rick and I both came up. Well, you know, I was catering in the, by the end of the seventies, Rick, I'd done one or two, not my own. I'd worked for other people. Then I went to culinary school. Then I became a caterer. And the difference in what we were expected to have at a dinner party, you and I were saying, yeah. And you were saying three hors d'oeuvres and this, and then a salad and a cheese board and hot pot too, and sorbet courses and two, you know, two different entrees on a plate. I don't think, it, I don't know who still entertains like that, even friends of mine. And well, it's, it's changed. Do you know what I mean? friend COVID really has changed things. Yes. And I think that people are having smaller gatherings even still are going to this year too, because we've just gotten used to having smaller gatherings. Gatherings. People are asking me more for recipes for can. What can I do with a turkey breast? Good. Or my family only likes dark meat. I think I'm just going to roast thighs and yes. drumsticks. Brilliant. You know, and it's like, yeah, you. That's right. You are. When <laughs> I think of the. <laughs> When I think of the food in the 50s and 60s that my mother, and we had both sides of the family, my mother had 30 people for Thanksgiving, every you know right. holiday and at Christmas. 
God, I, I, and she did everything from scratch. And it was, and the poor thing, I, God, no wonder as she got older, she said, I'm not cooking this year. I'm going to Paris or I'm not cooking. To, I'm going right. to You guys are on your own. I know this. And this is what I say to young people that don't know how to, are not, like you said, play to your strengths. One, this great thing that everybody's doing, the Friends Thanksgiving, or Give your friends all of a job. And the only thing I know is make it as specific as possible. I couldn't. That's the thing that I was going to jump in and say to you, but you just said it. Okay. I just don't tell people to bring, um, let's say, a side dish. You have to say, I need you to bring Brussels sprouts. I need you to bring green beans. If you cannot bring these, you have to promise to call me and let me know how you're changing it. Because I stopped potlucking and Friendsgiving because I found out that my wonderful creative friends never brought what they said they were going to bring. And they would, you know, like two people would bring lentil salad. I know. And I also, yeah. Or they bring, I've had this when I had a party and people say, what can I bring? And I would be pretty specific. Rick, yeah. People would show up with a block of like Bob Ostro, which is the cheapest cheese in the world, and a box of Triscuits and say, oh, I brought the hors d'oeuvres. And I think these are snacks. These aren't hors You know, we, th- I swear to God that we're the same person and we don't want to tell anybody. And I told them. I was so astounded I told them. Because... We had one friend that after a while we had to say, when we started divvying up, you know, who was going to bring what? It got to be, don't ask so-and-so to bring the appetizers because she will bring cheese Whiz and Triscuits. And to this day, 30 years later, I can say cheese Whiz and Triscuits to a certain friends of mine and their eyes will just roll, you know, like, oh, we know. But um, it's amazing. So yeah, you, but so that's like, why, so you know what I do now when I do a Friendsgiving or that kind of a thing? I say, here is the menu, check off which recipe you want, and I will send you the recipe. Now, see, you're a genius. I'm no, a I'm a control freak. But <laughs> I learned... Okay, well, maybe that's the same thing. <laughs> the genius control freak. We've never heard that one before. Yeah. Uh, I think they go hand recipes. in hand. People need a recipe. They need to know what you want or they don't do it. That's all I found out. You know, if you give them a recipe and then they really don't bring that food, then they're off the guest list. <laughs> so there's something else. I'm wondering what your take is on this. I'm going to get your feedback on this, Denise, which is that I said earlier that I felt that the most important thing to serve at Thanksgiving was tradition. Yes. But people get kind of wacky lately with like what their what their palate is and like I remember one time at a Friendsgiving somebody brought sweet potatoes in a red Thai curry it went with nothing on the plate all you could taste was the curry sauce Curry sauce had nothing to do with the apples and the celery that were in my stuffing. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, I mean, it was just a slop. 
at the end. Okay. So yes, because they don't know menu planning. They like don't know menu planning. So this is like menu. I'm saying. I think that if you want to do a Friendsgiving, to do a menu yourself and then get say check off the recipe that you want, and I will send you the details again. Now all of this is communication. I recently. Uh, you know, and the other thing that you're bringing up, Rick, is people's, it's not just tradition anymore. I'm gluten-free. This one doesn't, I can't no. eat any, I don't eat any animal product. I'm vegan. I'm, you know, I'm a flexitarian. I don't know what half of those labels mean. And I have to say to people, you, you don't even eat an egg? They go, no. Okay. I said, I need to just clarify every single thing you're saying to me. Because remember in the 70s, when people were vegetarians, they still ate fish. Do you know what I mean? I mean, vegetarian. Well, as long as it as long as it had dope in it, my friends would eat it. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Are we having the pumpkin brownies again? Let's go. You know, so um, with that, I know what you're saying, but I'm going to give another an anecdote of okay. something that something that you and I, as uh, people uh, beyond certain age, um, that. You're doing a podcast. Now, your job description as a person of your age means that you should be not tech savvy. You should be a tech idiot and that you should know nothing about the new ways to work in our food business. You should know nothing about social media. You should know nothing about podcasts. You should know nothing about TikTok. You should know nothing about how to take a photograph. You should just say, I don't want to do this. And I didn't want to, do, I want everything to be like it was for 30 years ago. Oh, look, there's my friend, Julia, across the room. Hi, Julia. Those days are over. Over. Let's not talk about the amount of money that we used to make on okay. our day. Okay. What I'm well, saying is this. Yes. Good point. We have to roll with the technology and the tastes and I had to learn how to do vegan and gluten-free baking for a client this this um, year. For a client of mine who's a bakery came to me and said, we're changing our menu. We need gluten-free wow. and vegan. And I'm like, well, I don't do that. I don't know anything. Nah, 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 nah. And they're like, we're paying you. Shut up. We want the recipes on our desk on Friday. i like, Okay. Well, they knew how to handle you. <laughs> well, they had a point, but they had a point. No. So right. I had to teach myself how to do a vegan pumpkin pie. Hey, the one number one thing that I learned is never try to make a gluten-free uh, crust. They have them for sale at Whole Foods. That's where you buy them. Okay. We just, I, I totally, and again, that's playing to your strengths. There are things that you, mm -hmm. um, you know, We've had that, Rick, we certainly had that. And this all ties into recipes or if someone should ask you for something. Now, if someone says to me, Denise, I'm only eating liver, calves liver for Thanksgiving. I'd say to them, go to the store, get some fresh calves liver. And when you get here, I'll cook it for you because I've certainly cooked calves liver enough. And yeah, done. yeah, yeah. But there are times if people, I think, and this is just when people drive themselves crazy or say, oh, my daughter wants this. Put it, pull, throw the belt, volley the ball. Pull, then why don't you, how about this? What, then I'm going to tell you about the time that I had some dear friends that were visiting and they kept kosher. Oh. Which you're okay. not going to get at my house. And they said, <laughs> don't worry, we know what to do. 
They stopped at the kosher delicatessen on the way over and brought their dinners with them. Perfect. And the paper plates and the plastic forks, right? Problem they brought solved. everything because they know. It was, I have never been more grateful to anybody in my life. That's a brilliant solution. Well, there and was a one marriage proposal. But anyway, the you know what I mean? But it's a brilliant, they took it upon themselves to be the polite guest instead of putting it on us. You have to think about the needs of every single person in that room. When because the bandwidth I, is only that big. I'm not being ungenerous. Oh, no. Oh, please. If I can do it, I'll do it. Here's the other thing, Rick, and this is about the holidays, which we have with tips to the holidays and yours for the food stuff was perfect. And the list, list, list. There's times if I'm having a dinner party and it's not, this is Thursday for Thanksgiving, but I might set my table on Monday. Okay. I put oh, the yeah. glasses down. Just put the glasses down. <laughs> you know, put the glasses down to the dirt from the house, but, or if I pull out the vacuum, but people and if you don't have linens, and if you don't have china, you just said it, use paper plates and plastic forks. Who cares? This is when we started to say this, Rick. Do, do people entertain in the same way as they used to? No, I think COVID has changed it. I think people should be grateful that they're getting together with their family or their friends. And I don't think that people are judging you on no. that kind of behavior anymore. You know, I but would- for if those of us that know it, how to do it and like to do it, I like getting the candles. I like doing a tablescape. I plan for that and I do it. People, if you don't, don't. That's right. I had friends, two young oh. friends, really young friends that came up and had lunch. I, I said, I'll make lunch. We all went to Italy together. I met them through other people. To make the long story short, because Rick, since I no longer work 60 hours a week, when we moved to this house, I kept Lennox and Limoges that I had, both place settings for 12, and I put them in the cupboards. And then I thought, I'm using this Haviland Limoges every single day. Why? I mean, I have everyday dishes for a hamburger or something, you know, right. pull a dish out. But I keep the table set for my husband and myself with the Limoges. And then I just pull up the plates and put the dinner on it. We have candlesticks all the time. I have you know, stemware on it all the time. I have my silver plate on there. And when the young kid, he's 27 and he's from France. So he has fabulous eating, but he's a kid. He just bought his first house. I said, do you have any furniture? He said, no, I don't need much, but my futon. But he sat down at the table and said, this is so beautiful. I said, to be perfectly honest with you, David, it's always like this because I like to do it for me. Right. And I'm not keeping that stuff anymore unless I use it. So, but I think that young people that judge themselves too hardly. Too right. Hard. Well, the other thing what that I know have? that you to probably happen with you that happened with me is when you do make a mistake, when there is that kitchen disaster, you learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes in, in the kitchen, you know, and then you like go like the light goes on. That's why they tell you to cook it at 400 instead of 300. That's right. Or, but you have to have the, the, the sensual experience of cooking in order to learn the rights and the wrongs. It uh -huh. just doesn't happen by magic. But, and the longer I say this to other people, 
the longer you do it, the more often you do it, the better you get at it. If you're only doing one cooking once a year and it's Thanksgiving, of course you're nervous. If you cook every weekend for your friends or if you cook every night, you know, experience counts. Now you said the word, you have to tell us a disaster story <laughs> right now. It can be any disaster, cooking disaster story you want to. Um, I have so many, but it's one Thanksgiving story. <laughs> no, but it's true, but especially when you're catering, right? Oh, the times, dude, you know, again, uh, you and I know all this. The worst thing that you can do when you have, uh, when you're catering is plug in the coffee maker. Yes. It always blows out a fuse. All the circuit breakers. Oh, and it's like you said, before I plug in the coffee for a hundred people, I need to know what the circuit breaker is. They're like, what? Never mind. Uh, so the time that Thanksgiving morning, my oven broke. Oh, God. And it would not turn on, blah, blah, blah. You know what? I did the entire Thanksgiving meal on the gas grill. There you go. I mean, what was I going to do? Call people and say, don't come? I, <laughs> I learned that really early in my catering career, but it wasn't. I was standing there, same thing. We had a rental oven. They couldn't get it lit. We were too far from the rental company. The butane right. wasn't, everything was wrong. And another chef, more experienced than I was, turned to me and we'd had a grill for various things. He said, we got heat. We can put everything on the grill. And I thought, huh? And man, we put the soup on the grill. We put everything <laughs> on that grill that we brought in pots and pans. And guess what? It worked. But it, well, it, it things, I don't know if I could have pulled that off like, let's say, 25, 30 years ago. But it certainly was OK when it happened a few years ago to me because I understood the concept of indirect cooking. Okay. Now, growing up in California, my dad did everything by the direct method of barbecuing, you know, which meant he put it directly over coals and he you cook it until it's black on the outside and cold on the inside, and then you serve it. it like, you know, I mean, we ate a lot of chewy barbecued ribs and told dad how delicious they were. But now people understand the concept of, of indirect grilling better. And so I was able to do literally everything, including the pumpkin pie on the grill. How fabulous. Yeah. That's incredible. So the, what, you turned your disaster into a success. Well, because I am a superhero. A lot of people, you know, stop me on the street. <laughs> One of my favorite disaster stories. And this was, I was again, fairly new. So it was a party on a yacht. Now, you know how big kitchens are the galleons those yacht parties i hate it. i know so i i was all over this party these clients were so rich they loved me it was all working and we had about 50 people for dinner and in comes from paris pastry in those days the fanciest pastries to make the long story short there's 10 boxes she told me there were 10 boxes i'm on my list i'm no one's gonna catch me i am so on top of this party halfway through so i put them in the corner Serving dinner. Halfway through the party, I see something on the floor. It looks like, I don't know, snow. And I'm thinking, where is that coming from? And of course, in the middle of the tall stack of 10 boxes, one of them was a frozen white chocolate mousse case that was supposed to go in the refrigerator. Now, okay, I slop the stuff up so it I find the cake. 
I realized my mistake. Nine could be set out. One had to be going to the little tiny freezer. I'm not worried. The cake is a wreck, Rick. Okay. And I say to the hostess, oh, I, I have the party manager say, you know, the white chocolate mousse cake, is everyone going to enjoy that? Or should we just serve the chocolate? And she said, oh, no, it's just my husband, the birthday boy that wants the white chocolate mousse cake. And I remember thinking, of course it is. And you know what? The cake could not be served the way it was. I found a big old champagne glass in that bar and I took that cake and I slapped it with some spoons <laughs> into the glass brought it out with the doily on the remember doilies right. people use doilies <laughs> no i i don't i think if you say doilies now people look at you like you're crazy and i stuck a couple of birthday candles in that and the waiters sang it and we set it down and he kept saying oh this cake is it's the perfect temperature and i've never had a prettier one and thank you for serving it like this and inside i thought all right, already. That's how you do it. And everyone else, uh, the chocolate cake. But I have, I mean, I could write, you and I Rick, could write a book of the disasters, I'm sure. Now you have to tell us another one. Okay. So, uh, so we were having, um, we were having a Friendsgiving where the way how everybody's schedule was, it had to be one of those brunchy kind of Thanksgivings. You know how, you know how grandma, I remember, you know, my grandmother would get up at like four o'clock in the morning to put the turkey in, right? Because, Absolutely. Right, and all of that. And so it was, it really truly was like one of those things that time. So I said, well, I'm going to, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to preheat the oven. So every the turkey is ready and it's in the refrigerator. It's all trussed. It's all ready to go. All I have to do is come out of the bedroom in my flip-flops and my shorts and take it out of the refrigerator and put it into the oven and go back to bed at 4 a.m. Okay. Except for one thing. I didn't realize that my new oven had a Sabbath mode. So... It turned itself off after 12 hours. So I started preheating the electric oven because the electric oven was not as expensive as gas with my mindset. And so that I started preheating it at a quarter to four in the afternoon while I thought about it so I wouldn't forget. And whatever time it was, the, the turkey was like in the oven for like an hour and the oven turned off and locked itself. Oh, my God. So by the time we found the brochure and read through all of the, you know, uh, indecipherable instructions, we finally got, we had, you know, like unplug the stove and put it, plug it back in and around and around. I, I think we saved the turkey. But it was more, more, it was, uh, Turkey was not done by 12 o'clock. <laughs> now, speaking of ovens, so every time I'm, I'm so excited, I'm catering in mansions, I'm in movie stars, they're all right. in Malibu. We get, we've had a location check, beautiful kitchens. Now, of course, what I didn't realize the very first time, she showed me the kitchen, Rick, I didn't open the refrigerator door or the oven door or the cabinets because basically it was a shell. I mean, it was a real kitchen, but they didn't eat at home. Right. So I was the first person ever cooking 
that fancy party and we preheated the oven, but I didn't look inside there. And all of a sudden, a few minutes later, we can smell the burning plastic from the instructions from the broiler pan. <laughs> and now it's melting down into her brand new oven. And I remember thinking, and I'm surprised it didn't catch fire. The instructions are now gone. So we kind of, I said to Santa, scrape this rack and we'll, we'll start again. I told her the next day, she said, oh, I should have told you. Yes, we've never used the oven, Denise. They'd lived there for like three years and she had never turned on her oven. I never walk into, I never, in my own house now, 40 years later, I open the oven door to make sure there's nothing in my oven, okay? Because I can't tell you how many times I did burn up brand new ovens because the plastic wrap was still on them. I hope there's. <laughs> I am just remembering. I, you know, I think that every caterer has that same story. Of course they because do. Because there's always that person. You know, you know, we could go on and on with them, but um, now do me one favor. Tell me something about your new online classes that you. Oh, okay. So, um, so this this falls into the category of teaching old dogs new tricks, <laughs> which is um, that. Uh, about seven years ago, I stopped teaching in person because it was no fun to travel as much as I used to, because I was one of these cooking teachers where I would do a circuit and I would go. I remember. Um, remember San Seattle to San Diego yeah. with lots of San Francisco in between, right. <laughs> you know, and um, so. I miss teaching. I really do. I really, I love to teach. I'm one of the only people that has an award from Bon Appetit magazine for being the best cooking teacher I in America, know. which, you know, if you don't, if I don't tote my own horn, then who's going to have every it? right. It's a wonderful, that's my mother wonderful. isn't here right now to tell you that. Sorry. So um, I started an online cooking school called coffeeandcake.org. Coffee and cake all run together in one word, .org. And uh, I'm teaching mainly baked goods from Europe because one of my most popular books is a book called Cafe House. By I Willie remember Kay. it. Yeah. yeah, and it's about the desserts of Vienna, Budapest, and Prague. My, was raised when my family is from Liechtenstein, so I was raised with all of those desserts and learned how to make them when I was a kid with my aunts. Wow. Wow. So, so those are the kinds of things I cook. And like um, some things I have coming up is I'm cooking strudels. Oh. Um, I'm, oh, I have in December, we'll probably be on, yeah, we'll be on before yeah. December. I have two classes that I bet your people are going to love because I know your people are people that love other cookbook authors. Absolutely. So I have one class coming up with Rose Levy Berenbaum. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing a, a, some recipes from her new Cookie Bible cookbook. Lovely. And then I also have another one with a woman in San Francisco whose name is Michelle Polzine. Okay. And Michelle had a bakery called the 20th Century Cafe, which was Viennese and Hungarian oh. baking. And so she and I are going to be doing a duo Linzer tort class. Oh, how fabulous. So they're both going to be a lot of fun. And then I have my own classes too. But but the holidays are kind of following on the falling on the weekend. 
this year. So I'm um, not teaching as many weekend classes as I, I have in the past. Yeah. Oh, no, Rick, you know, people don't, some people do not know, and again, COVID can trip, but even before that, there used to be a cooking, beautiful cooking schools in every major city. I mean, that was one of the reasons IACP was founded. Where we met, right. Where we met and were members for a million years. But all, I mean, you went to ICP and you went, I, it was very fun to teach in all those beautiful schools. You know, Things have changed. It's exactly what you were talking about. Things have changed. People aren't buying the same. Remember the schools, at least all of the ones I taught in, Cook's Warehouse, Phyllis's Let's Get Cooking, Gerlatob, right. Williams-Sonoma, they were built on, they wanted people to come in and buy stuff and you taught them how to cook. But right. you were selling, you know, they were selling beautiful knives and cookware and stuff. There's, uh, you know, brick and mortar stores aren't the same. So the cooking classes also kind of went the way. Well, the other thing that I think has happened, again, one of these days, you know, we could just sit around and talk about how the business has changed. But one of them is that people are finding stuff on YouTube, on online, on Great British Baking Show and things like that. Seeing something on TV is not the same thing as an interactive class. Now, uh, there aren't a lot of the schools still aren't teaching in person classes. So I started doing the video classes. You can still ask me a question in the way that you can't yell at a YouTube. I get it. I get it. Good for you. No, honey, I have to tell you, I've been working with a production company for an idea of a TV show that I had not. I'm, I want to be an executive producer. It's nothing to do with me or what right. I do. But I got to tell you something. Streaming Netflix and you say YouTube, people that are taking shows from YouTube and then maybe Netflix picks them up or someone else. That's right. Those people are making more money than someone that has a straight TV show anymore. I mean, it's it's a very, so, our whole marketplace has changed. That's all I can want say. To say. For those of you that are listening to Denise and I do these war stories, I'm going to tell you <laughs> the number one way that things have changed is it used to be you had talent, you were a caterer, you were a food stylist. Like, you know, Denise had all this credibility from a food stylist and she wrote her wonderful book about how to do food styling. Okay, I had all my experience as a caterer and, and, you know, let's not go into that, but all the different, my different consulting jobs, I started writing cookbooks. I've written over 100 cookbooks. My name isn't on a lot of them, but I got so busy because the editors would come to me and they would say, Rick, we're in a terrible jam and we need you to help so-and-so write a book. So I would do four or five books a year because I knew how to do it. That's right. But my point is now... You get the audience on YouTube. You get the audience on TikTok. You get the audience on Facebook and Insta. Then you write your cookbook. You don't do it the other way around. You're absolutely right. Credentials come from a different spot. It's the good ones have some. You don't need credentials. You need an audience, and you need (laughs) bingo. I put that on a T-shirt. It's a different world rick but your point i'll tell you about changing things up and not complaining you know what i mean and learning it so you found a way to teach without the schools and that's what's important yeah that's what's important i 
didn't want to go out and see clients anymore, but I love doing a podcast. So it, it all works. Now answer me this, not putting you on the spot. What are two, give us one or two other tips for Thanksgiving. Well, I know you that know, you're a master I, I, roasting. You I know, know, I've never really made Thanksgiving before. I'm a total fake. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm going to get these tips from, but I'm going to try really hard and see. You know, one time somebody asked me, I, I think it was you, that last time we were together, you made me think how many times I'd really made Thanksgiving. And I started teaching my first Thanksgiving class in 1988. Oh, my God. I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> and I remember I taught it in the sandbox at school. It's still, I, you know, um, but... Um, so there were years when I would teach 25 Thanksgiving classes from Halloween My to God. Thanksgiving. My God. So you add all of those up, then it's at least 300 times that I have made Thanksgiving outside of the years that I've done them for myself. So a couple of things that I have learned, another couple of more things is that you have to make a map of your dinner table. What I mean is, is that very often because Thanksgiving is a, is a holiday of abundance. And too often we end up with our eyes bigger than our stomachs yes. with the amount of side dishes. And But also you want to be sure that if you are at the head of the table, your daddy, and you're going to carve the, thanks, the turkey at the table, which I'm going to talk about after this as my second tip. Okay. okay. You're going to do it at the table. You have to leave a space in front of daddy so he has some place to carve the to have carve the turkey. Then you have to move his place setting away from him so and it put an empty platter there so he has some place to put the meat on. You are okay. correct, sir. For, a map so, of your table. I love the way you said it. You want a road map of your thing. So you want to make it be sure that you have the room. You may have to get a card table. To put on the side if you don't have a buffet, you know, because not everybody has an old-fashioned um, dining room anymore. That's right. But what I was going to say about carving is don't. <laughs> that's that's my word, is that you, if you want to bring the, the turkey out and show everybody how gorgeous your entire, your big, beautiful Norman Rockwell turkey is, <laughs> great. Then... Hightail your butt back into the kitchen, have your really sharp carving knife in your meat fork, and you carve it up in the kitchen where you can rip it apart with your hands and swear at it and All everything. Those things. <laughs> okay. And then you bring the carved meat out and you tell everybody, well, I'm carving the meat. Since there's 47 of you at this damn table, Start serving up the sweet potatoes and everything because otherwise everything will get cold. Now you're back. The last thing I want to leave you with is make a pot of turkey stock. All you have to do, buy an extra turkey wing or two at the store when you get your turkey. Take the giblets and put them in the pot with an onion and a carrot. The reason why is that I don't care what you do to your turkey because we have a whole other show that we could do about how to roast turkey. Yes. But if you're afraid that your turkey is dry, God bless you. All you do is go up over to the stove. You take a big ladle full of your homemade turkey stock and pour it all over the platter. 
and you bring that steaming platter out to everybody and they go, oh my goodness, this is the juiciest turkey I've ever seen. And don't ask me how many times I have done that. But you know, truthfully, not very many because my turkeys are always perfect. I bet they are, <laughs> without a doubt. I need to tell you, this has been, first of all, we may have to do a volume two of this next year on just, we'll, we'll just tell it brings disaster stories. Yeah. Once, this is the how I want to say this. One year, we did butterball turkeys a couple of times. Cindy and I, the turkeys cooked for TV segments. You had to have six. Yeah, sure. It was a yeah. nightmare. It was a nightmare to cook six or seven turkeys, you know, all in one, in two days. But we'd do it or one day. Oh, and I hate the way how they smell in the studio. Oh, God, the smell. All of it. Right, you can always tell a Thanksgiving shoot because it's just like turkey fat in the air. All right, first of all, you know too much. Now let's not talk about it <laughs> right now. But this was my favorite. So one year, they said, Denise, we Fox News called and they said, we want you to come down. This is many years ago. But you're, we, I brought it. Cindy, I don't think Cindy worked for me then. Cindy worked with me then. It was somebody else. But I got a turkey and made it pretty. And I said something. I was in a silk blouse. The turkey hotline for people that morning to call the news station. And we have our, our food expert, Denise, here. If you have any Thanksgiving questions, she'll answer them for me. So I was interplaying, you know, with the news desk. To make a long story short, some woman calls in and says, and I can hear her voice, she says, my turkey's still frozen. I bought it last night. Exactly. What we're it's not thawed out. What should I do? I said, I would pour heavy drinks for your family and go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get a couple of buckets. <laughs> Newscasters fell out. People were laughing. People wrote in. The Butterball Turkey, whoever I was working for, didn't think that was very funny. And I never got that gig again. Oh, well. I thought it was hysterical. So... We're right back to make to buy a fresh turkey if you can. Thank you, Rick. I know My how pleasure. you are, and you are such a darling. And yes, we will have to plan another just a disaster story. A disaster. Well, yeah, but you know, again, I'm going to go because back to we're going to plug we're going to plug Thanksgiving 101, which you yeah. can order from your bookstore or get at your favorite online place because. It lays it all out for you, and I love it because I have people. The other day I was teaching an online cooking class and I had people that had been taking classes from me for 35 years. That's fantastic. It was such a wonderful compliment, but what I'm still saying even more is just that I know that there's something in that book for you to learn, even if you're a seasoned I agree. Thanksgiving cook. I agree. Well, thank you. Thank you, We're honey. Say goodbye. Happy holidays to everybody, but especially to you and Cindy. Mwah. We're going to put all Rick's information up and links to his books when we broadcast it. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Rick. Cindy and I, um, you reach us at womanbeyond at icloud.com. And you can go to our website. You can go to our Facebook page. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you um, for listening. And Miss Cindy, thank you for uh, everything you do, as always. And I, I wish everyone happy holidays. I think the biggest thing that people can do for themselves is to not stress out. I don't care if you make a, a BLT for Thanksgiving. If you serve it to your family and it's delicious, they won't care either. Thank you. See you soon.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye.